The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Thursday, the 17th of August in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Fed officials suggest inflationary risks may drive further interest rate hikes in the US. Our reporting finds that China's housing slump is much worse than the official data would have you believe. And location, location, revaluation. London's luxury home sellers are cutting asking prices to keep deals alive. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Federal Reserve officials believe further interest rate rises may be needed to bring down inflation. The minutes from the central bank's July meeting reveal that policymakers see, quote, significant upside risks to inflation, which could require further tightening. Former US Treasury Secretary Larry Summers agrees. I kind of would guess that these higher long-term rates are with us to stay. And if I had to bet, I think I'd bet that they're more likely to go higher than to go lower. And I think in general, markets are going to have to adapt to that reality. While Larry Summers agrees with Fed officials, cracks in the FOMC's consensus view emerged at the July meeting. Though, deci- though the decision to hike was unanimous, two policymakers said they favoured leaving rates unchanged or could have supported such a proposal. The downturn in China's, China's housing market may be w- much worse than official statistics reveal. Figures from property agents and private data show existing home prices falling at least 15% in prime neighbourhoods. That's much higher than the 6% drop seen in government data. But Bloomberg's China economist David Xu still thinks Beijing's growth target is achievable. For this year, we still think China can achieve the 5% uh, GDP growth target. But it needs more policy support if we want to achieve it. Uh, the debt problem, I think that is one of the reasons why we have seen so many downgrades to China's growth forecast. As David Chu suggested there, not everyone agrees with his outlook. Morgan Stanley has now downgraded its China growth forecast. The investment bank now expects GDP to rise by 4.7% this year, down from an earlier projection of 5%. Returning to further news from China next, as we see China's mounting property woes coming as the financial conglomerate Zhongzhi announced plans to restructure its debt. Bloomberg has learned that the shadow bank, whose liquidity crisis has fanned fears of contagion, has also hired KPMG to conduct an audit of its balance sheet. The under-the-radar group dubs dubbed China's Blackstone by some local media, also says it will sell assets to repay investors after a string of missed payments. What's the breaking news this hour? And BAE Systems has agreed to buy Ball Corporation's aerospace division in a £5.6 billion deal. 
The takeover comes is the largest this year by a British firm. The news comes as a global security threat spur a deal-making rush that's defying a broader drop-off in M&A. So that deal, $5.6 billion from BAE Systems. Argentina's leading presidential candidate Javier Millet says he plans to close the country's central bank and dollarise the economy if he's elected. The radical libertarian candidate has told Bloomberg he'll make every effort to avoid a default by slashing public spending if he wins October's vote. In an exclusive interview, Millet compared printing currency to theft. Stealing is wrong, and seniorage is nothing more or less than a swindle by politicians against good people. Therefore, let's say, if we consider that stealing is wrong, one of the greatest thieves in the history of mankind is the central bank. Argentinian presidential candidate Javier Millet there speaking through a translator. He went on to say that if elected, he would freeze relations with China and pull Argentina out of the Mercosur trade bloc. The former Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn says the party will probably win the next election, but not because of Keir Starmer's policies. Corbyn told Bloomberg's UK Politics podcast the party had become too timid. Here's what the former Labour leader had to say when we asked him if he thought Keir Starmer would make a good Prime Minister. What makes a good Prime Minister? Uh, I think somebody who listens and unites the party is a good idea. I think somebody that is committed to redistribution of power and wealth would be a good idea. And I would love to hear Keir Starmer say something about those issues. When you can hear that full interview with Jeremy Corbyn on today's UK Politics podcast. And London's wealthiest home sellers are cutting prices to keep deals alive. Bloomberg's James Wilcock has more. Are you looking for a good discount? Well, if you have more than £5 million on hand, London's property market might be for you. Price reductions on the most expensive homes have nearly doubled this year. The data from Lonres shows borrowing costs and economic uncertainty are hitting the market hard compared to 2022. In London, I'm James Wilcock, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Those are your top stories. Well, let's turn to some of the other stories that have caught our eye this morning. And Bloomberg has, it's my favourite time of the month when Bloomberg publishes the breakfast index uh, for the UK, which looks at the various prices of the components of a full English breakfast. And it's actually become cheaper for only the second time since it started measuring the cost of these ingredients. That uh, adding to the inflation story that we've heard so much more about this week, that inflation print, the core number, of course, it excludes food coming in hotter than expected uh, for the month of July. But this index adds up the price of the components of a fry. But if you were feeding quite a lot of people, it's the full packets of everything involved. So the overall cost fell by 20% in July to £35.58. It's still well above where it was a year ago. And the total price was also lower in May. But it includes things like sausages, eggs, bacon, bread, coffee, etc. And actually coffee and milk are the two elements that saw the largest fall in price uh, month on month as well. So that is the latest from Bloomberg's Breakfast Index. Let's dig more into what we learned from the Federal Reserve minutes next. Officials seeing the risk that a persistent inflation may require further interest rate hikes. Our Chief Rates Correspondent Garfield Reynolds is with us for more. Garfield, how seriously should we be taking these signals from officials about an upside risk to inflation and the possibility of more interest rate hikes? Well, I think we do need to take them pretty seriously, even as inflation has markedly cooled down and you know the fed has expressed uh you know satisfaction at that 
They've still also been stressing that inflation remains too high and that they see the biggest risk as being a revival in inflation rather than uh, a risk that the economy will tip into recession. Part of that's the data too. Even as inflation has come down, jobs growth has stayed strong. Uh, you know, we've had a series of US economic indicators coming in, you know, robust in and of themselves and more robust than expected. So that expectation that five percentage points or, and, and plus of rate increases over the last 18 months would lead the US economy to stall is not coming true. And yeah, the flip side to that for the Fed is that, well, if economic activity is remaining strong, we have to be vigilant to make sure that doesn't lead to inflation. There it was some signs that the consensus around the FOMC table was starting to fray, perhaps not unsurprising given the complexity of the economic situation. But should we be listening out for more perhaps signs of disagreement among policymakers when they meet in Jackson Hole next week? Well, possibly. I mean, the the, the key tension you know, within the Fed and also you know, outside of the Fed for markets, both bonds and stocks, is is okay. Once they stop hiking rates, and even the most hawkish members are saying, you know, one or maybe at most two hikes, and that'll be it. They'll be done, absent a, a, a really astonishing revival in inflation. Then. The tension becomes, well, how long do they keep them restrictive? You know, they've said policy is restrictive. They've said policy needs to be restrictive for some time. Well, what does some time mean? And what could lead that time to be shorter or longer? Obviously, that's obviously where you're going to get a dovish versus hawkish spectrum within the Fed. And yeah, you know, the key thing is going to be where's Powell lie on this spectrum? Mm. Where does Williams from the New from the New York Fed stand? Some of the other heavy hitters. Uh, you know, how likely is it that an extended period does really end up being a, a very extended period for restrictive rates? Looking at the market reaction to this, yields pushing even higher again this morning, particularly interestingly at the long end of the curve as well. What should we be taking away from the market reaction to these minutes? Well, I mean, the market reaction is is also in some ways a bit nuanced, in some ways not. Yeah, the, the most obvious trigger is that uh, you know the FOMC minutes were the latest spur for traders to reduce their expectations for imminent Fed rate cuts. So that's a burden for the whole market. Even beyond that, the Fed was also signaling it's not particularly interested in calling a halt to quantitative tightening, the reduction of its balance sheet, that's bad for the long end. And there's also that underlying message from the Fed that the economy is going really well, so well that they might have to raise rates further. Well, that's a far cry from the economy crashing into recession by the end of 2023, that's been the base case for a lot of bond bills for a very long time. So doubts about how soon you get a recession feed into doubts about whether you really want to buy treasuries now with Hmm. 10-year yields, say, at 4.3%. You thought 4.3% was as high as they were going to go? Well, maybe they go higher, 4.5%. Or Larry Summers is saying 4.75% on average. So if they are going to go noticeably higher from here, it's actually not a great buying opportunity. It's another opportunity to end up with losses, 
which bond investors sadly have had a lot of those sort of opportunities over the last couple of years. Garfield, briefly, if you wouldn't mind, I just wanted to ask you about another event that we've had on markets this morning in Asia and this government bond auction in Japan. You and your colleagues uh, have, are applying a lot of adjectives to it on the markets live job. Awful, miserable, weak. How bad was this? Well, it was, it was pretty shocking. Um, you know, the the tail was the longest since 1987. That's that's the gap between the average price and the, and the lowest price. So that's showing that you know, at the margins, this was a very, very tough sell. Uh, it's a bit of a struggle to put it away. And uh, that is tribute, I think, to you know, the general concerns about bonds and about where the BOJ is going to go. And of course, you talk about at the margins, you know, the JGBs are the lowest yielding debt out there. So in an environment where demand is fragile for bonds, that should be one of the areas that's cracking. And you know, this is a sign that that, that it is, and that okay. uh, you know, even still strong BOJ purchases can't prop up the Japanese bond market. Garfield Reynolds, our chief rates correspondent. Thank you. Up next, Sunak sticks with a triple lock and France says bonjour to more millionaires. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, the paper review on Bluebird Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans is with us in studio for more. Leanne, let's start in The Guardian. The headline there, Sunak pledges to keep pension triple lock despite signs of extra £10 billion costs. Yes, indeed. So Rishi Sunak is committed to raising the UK's state pension in line with the nation's triple lock, despite it proving increasingly expensive. The Prime Minister was speaking to ITV yesterday. Now, The Guardian says the policy means pension rise each year in line with whichever is the highest. So wage gains, inflation or 2.5%. Now, annual earnings growth has picked up and was running at 8.2%, including bonuses in the three months ending June 2023. We got that data out on Tuesday and it actually stood at 7.8%, excluding bonuses. So that looks like it's going to be the highest economic key Mm. that they're going to have to raise that pension to. And basically, the annual uplift is something that Rishi Sunak says he's comfortable with. It's important. It's going to be carried out. 
But Stephen, the state pension costs the taxpayer £124 billion this year and, like I said, is on course to raise that further amount in April in line with the wage growth we got through. I mean, it's it's yet again something else pointing to the importance of the next set of data that we get because it will be the next set of earnings data and the next inflation print that will give us the the baseline of which will be higher. And at this stage, as you say, wage growth looks like it's going to be higher, but we're we're ready for surprises, as we always are with UK data at the moment. Oh, I think we're absolutely 100% ready for surprises. Like I said, it looks like that at the moment, but we know before the Bank of England makes the decision on the 21st of September, we get more important data out. Yeah, let's go to the Telegraph next, Leanne. France overtakes UK with the number of dollar millionaire residents. Well, 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 Britain has dropped from fourth place to sixth in the Global Wealth Survey. And France basically knocking us out of the top five countries with the biggest number of dollar millionaire residents. And they've taken the spot behind America and China. So France really climbing the ladder there. And it's leapfrogged Britain as well as Japan and Germany. So there's 2.8 million million adults sitting on assets in France of more than $1 million. So some experts say that basically it's a luxury industry. We've Mm. spoken so much about LVMH, haven't we? Bernard Arnault, he's the chairman and the CEO, and they've got brands like Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, Tiffany, Givenchy. They've been doing really well. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.